Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Bucket. Hopefully I can be heard here on the Hooper's Log. Uh, hopefully I'm not being muted out or forgotten or whatever's going on. Welcome on in. Episode 121 of the Hooper's Log on a Tuesday, April 19th, 2016. Round one playoff conversations. That's what we're talking about today. I have my guy Andrew Norris on the line. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. On my way to fix furnaces and air conditioning units. So unfortunately... Um, as you know, just so everybody else knows, I'm not going to be here the whole time. Um, we kind of knew this was this may be a problem, just kind of like it was before the time frame changed, uh, just because I'm never not working um, unless we did like a 2.30 in the morning show, uh, which would be perfect for me. I'd be on every show. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how, uh, how my day goes. So I'm... Uh, on my way there, says I got about fifteen twenty minutes before I get there. So, uh, just looking forward to talking playoff basketball, and then I look forward to having something to listen to while I'm, uh, you know, being bombarded by um, the religious priests or whatever is at this church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luckily for you, we only had three games that happened last night. Only one real, really good thriller outside of the others the rest were really just barn burners and uh, I mean they weren't necessarily domination games but they were definitely decided late in the game Um, and especially uh, you know the first game and the last game but the middle game was the one that we all uh, definitely everyone wants to hear about and hear our reaction towards Andrew you ready to get it going let's do it let's get it going all right all right all right we're gonna learn today Today is episode 121 of the Hooper's Log on CLNS Radio through the SeatGeek Studios. My name is Simo Buckets. The guest call in line, if you'd like to call into the phone lines, is 323-642-1558 is the number. We're aware that there's one game in progress right now between the Celtics and Hawks. Uh, so game two of that series, obviously, as you've all known, uh, the Hawks got off to a quick lead 24-7 in the first quarter. Uh, obviously, domination there by the Hawks. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're recapping the games from last night, and then we'll get into all of the white board performances. I have the entire list in front of me, so I can talk about what happened throughout the entire regular season. I have every single white board performance tallied up, and well, let's get to these games from last night. The first game will go in chronological order. The first game from last night, Raptors and Pacers. Look, the Raptors bounced back 
in a big way, winning 98 to 87. This was a game where we saw the Pacers again take it to the Raptors. And in the second quarter, especially the, Rap- the, the Pacers went into halftime rather confident, outscoring the Raptors 32 to 26. Paul George looking like Paul George once again. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan getting off to cold starts. But then you saw a little bit of a change in the second half where the Pacers kind of cooled off a little bit, but to also to the Raptors' credit, they also turned on to another level that we've seen them turn on before, and they found a way to get it done, winning 98-87. to 87. Jonas Valanciunas really stepped up in this ballgame, 23 points, 15 rebounds. That is a massive wiper-worthy performance. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we'll talk about those more. Uh, obviously, at the end of the at the end of the show, but the Raptors bounced back, getting the victory in that fourth quarter is really where it was all dictated. Andrew, what did you see between this Raptors and Pacers game that I don't think we didn't? I mean, this game kind of we all expected this to happen: the Raptors to bounce back and get a victory. But for for Raptors fans, and I was I was talking to a Raptors fan on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I'm telling you, they were nervous uh, down the stretch there in the fourth quarter until they went on that late, you know, that mid-quarter run in the fourth. It was definitely a game where the Pacers, again, stuck it to the Raptors. Now they're tied 1-1, but what would you see from last night in that one, Andrew? Uh, well, DeMarco Rose, you know, I normally don't buy into the whole, um, you know, he's great in the playoffs or he always chokes into the playoffs or anything like that. I think great players are great, bad players are bad. Um, and then, you know, uh, big-time performances either in the great aspect of it or the terrible aspect of it always get overblown, depending on how the media wants to portray a player, um, depending on how us as fans like a player. Um, that's when you start to hear it. But DeMar DeRozan, I mean, this is the third straight year. He has not performed a tenth, and I don't think I'm over-exaggerating, a tenth of how he performs during the regular season. Um, you know, most of the Raptors, most of the other Raptors got it together, um, really pulled together for a team win. wasn't, you know, how Cavs earlier this year, for instance, where, you know, Lowry dropped 40, DeRozan dropped 35 or whatever it was, something close to that. Um, but DeRozan just can't get it going. I, I, he barely played it at all in the fourth quarter, um, and, and he just looked terrible again. Um and you can't have your second-best player look terrible when the other team has a player as good as Paul George and a roster as good as they do because this is a solid roster who's, you know, they're veterans. They're not great outside of Paul George, but you got players like George Hill knows how to get it done. Monte Ellis knows how to get it yeah. done. Those type of guys really can win you a playoff series. Um, and I think game one was that awakening for the Raptors, like, whoa, okay, I know we're, they're seven seed. We can't be knocked out again in the first round. Um, got through to everybody. I mean, Kyle Lowry, again, didn't play good either. They they combined 9 for 31 from the field, 0 for 7 from 3, which isn't much better from game one where, I I, I mean, they, like I said, 9 for 31. Um, second game, or in the first game, I think they were like 9 for 36 or something something along those lines. Um, so they need to step up because Indiana can and will take this series if they don't. I still think Toronto gets it in six because um, I think DeRozan will start stepping up maybe even a little bit more than Lowry um, in, in these next three to four games, but uh, or four to five games, actually, probably. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, in the first one they were eight for, again, 32. So nine for 31 and eight for 32. They didn't improve at all. 
uh, well, Paul George himself made 12 shots on only 22 shots in game one. Uh, so if they don't step up their game, the, the Raptors are who, you know, they're already in trouble. They lost home court. Let's not underestimate that. Indiana, if you remember right. a couple years back, that crowd exactly. is crazy. That crowd is a factor, big-time factor, especially, you know, Paul George is healthy. Their team's back in the playoffs. They stole home court. All those things, you know, the energy in that place yeah. for game three is going to be crazy. Um, yeah. And, and DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry better step in and quiet that crowd early or else they're in some real, real trouble. Well, and the interesting thing you mentioned about, you know, the home court's been stolen. And, and I, told, I told everyone this before the series started. Look, this Indiana Pacers team might not have been the team in the regular season to go to do very well. Look, 45 wins, not too shabby. That's about what I think we all expected them to do, which was get about mid-40s wins. They did it. They got into the postseason. They're in. But the thing is, is and, we, and I said this before the year, and I said this before the playoffs, and I'll just keep saying it, this Pacers team has all the matchup nightmares you can ask for on top of they've got a guy in Vogel as a head coach who's been in this circumstance multiple times, and he's been to multiple Eastern Conference finals. He knows what it takes to win in the postseason. And like you said, going back home, it's basically a five-game series now going back home, and it's in the Indiana Pacers' favor. And I think if, if you're a Raptors fan, I don't know how much more nervous you can be. I, I was talking to the guy again last night on Twitter, and I hate to go back to that, but it's just a matter of fact. People were saying, oh, the Pacers are they're playing like crap, you know, especially in the, in the second half. They did. They only scored 37, there were 39 points in the second half. But I was telling people, I was like, look, they're, they're not going to play great in the second half on the road against a team that's desperate on top of a team that's more talented. But at the same time, what do they have to lose? They came out and played a great first half, 48 points in the first half on the road. They played a great first six quarters of this, of this, uh, of this playoff so far. And then the final two quarters, they, they played shoddy in the final two quarters on the road when they already had one game in the bag. What, what makes you think that they're actually going to come out and play great uh, you know, with a team as desperate as Toronto trying to get a victory before they go on the road. They, the, the Pacers have done everything they wanted to do in this series to this point, and now they're going back home with the momentum, with the opportunity. I mean, maybe not the momentum, but they have the opportunity to really take grasp of this series if they want to. I, I agree with you. I think on the overall, though, the Raptors will take this series, maybe not in six anymore, maybe in seven, but once you get to a seven-game series, it, it, at the end of the day, as we all know, who knows what's up? Who, who knows what's going to happen? And speaking of who knows what's going to happen, last night, you talk about Raymond Felton, UNC in the house, in Oklahoma City, as the Dallas Mavericks pull off a shocker over the Oklahoma City Thunder, 85-84. to 84. Russell Westbrook, again, went off 19 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. Not quite enough, though, as, as really the, the fingers being pointed towards Kevin Durant in this game, which obviously he did not shoot well from the field, but this is what this guy does. He shoots the ball and he's, you know, in many people's perspective, the greatest shooter eh, outside of Steph Curry, he's the best big man shooter in the NBA. We'll just leave it at that. He's the best forward shooting player in the NBA from long range. And that's, and that's just what Kevin Durant is. And, you know, considering this ball game that they lost and, and blaming it on Kevin Durant, you also got to give credit to the Dallas Mavericks and, and with Raymond Felton and how he stepped up 21 points, 11 rebounds, three assists. That fourth quarter was not because the Thunder didn't play well. 
That was because the Mavericks made runs. They answered, they answered every single time the Thunder answered, and they really just willed themselves to a victory. Does this mean anything? No. The Thunder are going to bounce back. They're, that 38-point win was more indicative of what's going to happen. But this is kind of like March Madness. You know, the Maver- Mavericks got a victory. They had their fun. Now the Thunder are going to regroup. Go to, the, go to Dallas. Dallas is going to be so freaking crazy and excited, and everyone's going to be happy. But understand, understand something. The Thunder have two of the best players in basketball on top of the fact that they're going to have off nights from time to time, and it will happen. Last night was a clear indication of that. But outside of that, the Thunder lost by one at home when, when Kevin Durant shot just atrocious from the field. Just think about that. They only lost by one with Kevin Durant shooting so poorly. This team's going to be fine. The Thunder will be fine. Andrew, what did you see from this one? Even though the Thunder – and on top of it, the Thunder missed the game winner by literally a fingertip. They would be up 2-0 going on to Dallas, and it would have been no big thing. What did you see from this one last night? just amazes me that every time the coach, best coach in the NBA type conversation and, – and I don't think he's the best, but best coaches in the NBA conversation comes up – Rick Carlisle isn't thrown in there every single time. They won this game because Billy Donovan is a crappy coach, and Rick Carlisle is a top three, top five coach in the entire NBA. Um, yes. And, of course, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook had a terrible game. Dirk DeWinsky had a terrible game. Darren Williams is a crutch. Like you said last night, he needs crutches. I mean, he, he's, yes. he's hobbled up and down the court all night. The Mavs didn't have their best game. Oh, and the Mavs were on the road. You know, oh, and the Mavs only scored 85. Let's not. I mean, the Mavs didn't have this terrific game, but they stole home court advantage, same way the same way the Pacers did. Now they're going home to again a crazy crowd. Um, get a couple day rest, so maybe Dirk can look a little bit better. Darren Williams maybe can look a little bit better. Continue the game plan against Kevin Durant and Russ Westbrook, who you're not gonna. Kevin Durant's not gonna miss 28, 26 shots or whatever he missed every single game. But they don't need that to win. And if I'm a Thunder fan, I'm not sitting here like I was after game one and going, oh, we got it in the bag. Don't worry about it. You know, we might sweep them. I'm thinking, oh, I really hope this doesn't go to seven because our coach can't yeah. watch game seven against Rick Carlisle. You know, I hope it doesn't go to six where they they got a game at home and they can push it to game seven. A game seven, I'll take the Mavs in, in a game seven. I'll take Rick Carlisle out coaching Billy Donovan. No, I'll, I'll take them figuring out yeah. figuring out a way to just shut one guy down because it's possible. You know, there's two guys in the NBA where you – three guys in the NBA where you can't shut them down, okay? There's LeBron James, there's Steph Curry, and there's Kevin Durant. As much as we love Russell Westbrook, he can be shut down. He can, you know, go five for 29 from the field. And I think Rick Carlisle was basically playing on – yeah, basically plan on, you know, let's make Russ go have a terrible shooting night. Let's make Russ turn it over eight times. And, you know, if Kevin Durant scores 35 in the process, Kevin Durant scores 35 in the process. Um, so if I'm a Thunder fan, if I'm on the Thunder team, if I'm, you know, Billy Donovan, I'm saying, guys, you better win both of these games while they're at home. Because otherwise, there's going to be a game six in their building. And if there's a game six in their building, guess what? There's a good chance, maybe not a great chance, but a good chance, there's a game seven. You know, and he's not, obviously not going to say because, you know, he's a better coach than me, but you get my point. Right. You don't want a game seven. You don't want a game six, especially when you're so far superior talent-wise. You, you don't want that. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, if the Thunder get eliminated by the Mavericks, Billy Donovan needs to be gone. 
Kevin Durant is gone, yeah. and it's only a year until Russell Westbrook's gone because they're not staying. If they get eliminated in the first round after winning, like, what, 57 games, not a chance in the world will yeah. they stay. So, uh, you know, Sam Presti hasn't made a good decision in eight years, so I guess uh, this, this offseason could be – not eight years, like three years. This offseason could be sure. really, really interesting uh, if, they, if they don't pull their pieces, put them together – and, uh, you know, start winning. You know, play the way they're capable of playing. For four quarters, play the way that the talent uh, – they have two of the top four basketball players in the world. Some people say two of the top three. Some people say the best two. I mean, this team is unfreaking believably talented, and, and they and just got to do it yeah. for four quarters. Yeah, this team, this team, the, the Thunder – uh, from what I'm concerned, if you're a Mavericks fan, if you're out there listening to the show, feel free to call in 323-642-1558 here on the lines if you'd love to talk about this game. If you're a Mavericks fan, really, I mean, think about it. You're, you're satisfied with the season. If I'm a Mavericks fan, 42-40 and 40 with a very old, uh, decrippled, you know, crippled team, a team that's off their ga- really been off their game all year, not the same team as before. They've held it together getting this victory. Look, I – if you're a Mavs fan, and I know obviously you want to keep winning, but we all know the road is just very tough for the Mavs. Look, they're going to have to play the Spurs in the next round. If I mean, this is obviously not – I don't think this is – the chance of this happening is less than 5%. But let's just say the Mavs do get past the Thunder, then they got to play the Spurs. Then if they and, and they won't beat the Spurs. They will not beat the Spurs. And they won't beat the Thunder either. But at the same time, you know, if I'm a Mavs fan right now and I look at this game, I am more than happy and excited in to say, hey, look, we got to win in the playoffs. People thought we'd get swept. We got to win on the road in the playoffs. Pretty good year there. Obviously, no matter what happens for the rest of the year for the Mavericks, I think you can take that with the grain, you know, with the grain of a with a grain of sugar, and say, hey, look, we're going into the off season. We beat the Thunder on the road. We can build from here, and we we got a pretty good look, outlook uh, to go. Andrew, I know you got to go real quick, but I wanted to get your take on this game from last night. No Steph Curry. The Warriors get the victory by nine over the Rockets, one fifteen to one hundred six. James Harden, in my opinion looked absolutely terrible. I know he had 28 points. I know he had 11 assists. I know efficiency-wise he was all right. But the guy does not look like a t- guy anymore who can really lead a team to a championship. I mean, I know – and, again, I know Steph Curry wasn't there, but this was the game. And I know the Rockets didn't win. I know they were very competitive. But this team is – as we saw coming into the season, they were a Western Conference team, Western Conference Finals team, what they did and how great they were obviously going into a deep run in the postseason last year. This team is completely different now. Something's going on with that organization, and we obviously have seen it all year long, and this game was more than indicative of that. Uh, but the Warriors get the victory without Steph Curry. What was your take on this one? Clay Thompson with 34 points. Uh, what was your take, Andrew? Uh, I mean, they're, they're the Warriors. Um yeah, we've seen them play great without Steph. I think they're now three and one or four and one on the season without him. Um, they're they won seventy three games. You can lose. They could lose two of their best players. They could lose Steph and maybe Clay, and they might win this series. I mean, I, I don't think that's yeah. like out of the realm of possibility that they can no. win this series without Steph and Clay. I don't think they would, but I think it it it, it could be possible. Um, they're definitely go seven. They had they had their motor in Draymond Green. They had their guy in Andrew Bogut. Festus Azil even played a couple minutes, which was good to see because I think that's a good ball player who's going to get a pretty decent contract this summer. Um, but you saw 
you, you did see Steph's importance, though. Harrison Barnes looked way worse, and if you look at the numbers, he's been worse two straight years without Steph Curry playing on the floor with him. Um, Draymond Green didn't have as much room to operate, and hey, I mean, they went from a 35-point win or a 30-point win to a 9-point win. Um, not that, you know, if he would have played, it would have been a 35-point win, but he, he he obviously showed why he's the MVP by not playing and seeing how much more poor this team played. Now, does he have to be number one on your MVP list? No, definitely not, but it is it, this is a pointless conversation. Just the team is great. Steph Curry is great. Uh, he's fine. They're just being cautious. Uh, as much I, I get the thought in the back of my head, oh, maybe this is worse than it sounds. Then the MRI comes out, but he says he's playing. Um, you know, it, it's they're great. They're one of the greatest teams of all time. It's it's just that simple. No, uh, of course they are. I agree with you 100% on the fact that they're just a great team. And I mentioned it yesterday on the show. And if you want to go back to my little rant that I had yesterday on episode 120 about Steph Curry's importance to this team, because that was when we got news that he wasn't going to play. Um, look, look, he, he's important to this team. And, and go back to yesterday, obviously, to listen to it more. But I'll just say this. Look, he's important to the team. But to be a unanimous MVP when this team looked absolutely fine without him, it just doesn't make sense to me. When you see a guy, and again, I know James Harden is, is not a great example of this, say I'm about to say, but look, if James Harden was on the Rockets, they don't win 30 games. If, 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 uh, if Kevin Durant, as you saw last year, they were 10 games worse than last year without Kevin Durant, and, and look where they're at. They're a, three seed, they're a three seed in the Western Conference. He is more of an MVP than, than Steph Curry, as you can clearly see. Um, you know, and they only improved by six, which is a crazy still. They improved, but – you know, they they didn't. I mean, all this all this ball washing of the of the Golden State Warriors of saying that they're the you know they're, they should get Coach of the Year. They should get Steph should get Most Improved and get and get uh and get MVP and get and, and the Warriors should get all the rec. I know that's Kevin McHale having sour grapes for the Rockets. I I totally understand. But like at the same time, Kevin McHale, dude, come on, let's be a little bit realistic and say that this team ha- is just overall unbelievable. You can't just sit back and say it's all the coaches doing because obviously Luke Walton coached this team for almost half the year, and the team only lost I think one or two games half the year. Look, and, and is that does that mean Steve Kerr is a great coach? And I agree with you, Andrew, from the standpoint of if they're going to give coach of the year to the Warriors, they better damn well give it to Steve Kerr and Luke Walton as a, because that's a joke if he doesn't get any recognition for that at all it's an absolute joke Steve Kerr doesn't deserve coach of the year independently for that reason alone if anyone deserves it independently it's Terry Stotts uh but that's beside the point the point is Warriors get the victory without Steph Curry 115 to 106 Andrew is there anything else you want to say before we go obviously as of now uh the Hawks beat the Celtics for or excuse me they're up at halftime 43 to 28 the Celtics only scored seven points in the first quarter uh the Hawks are dominating there and tonight's game obviously Grizzlies and Spurs uh, I'll be tuned into that one obviously as a Spurs fan but I'll probably tune out late because it's probably going to be a blowout like everyone's been saying Reggie Miller said something crazy earlier today about how about how the TNT crew would beat the Grizzlies right now and how they're playing. That is something not good to say as the San Antonio Spurs do not need any more motivation for the Grizzlies to try and beat them. What do you have anything more else to say, Andrew, before uh, I let you go? Yeah, a couple things real quick because I'm sitting here in the God's parking lot. Um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we may have another writer. I'm waiting. Okay, I, I don't want to say his name, but I just want everybody to know we're trying to get a bunch of writers so there can be a bunch of articles going out. We still only got one up, but the hooperslog.com is up. It is running. There is an article on there. Um, Chris, 
Calvin, and myself will all be writing on the second round series, the conference finals, and the finals. We will, uh, Chris will be writing both the Western Conference second round uh, series. I will be writing the Cavs and uh, more than likely Hawks. And Calvin will be writing the uh, Pacers slash Raptors and uh, who would they play? The Heat, more than likely. The Basically, Heat or the, 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 Hornets. The, the hodgepodge of the middle portion of the Eastern Conference he'll be writing on. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so go make sure you know you're staying tuned for that. Go follow on Twitter at TalkBball now at CMOBuckets253. Go to YouTube, the Hoopers Vlog. We're still trying to get a run, and we, we just need kind of motivation and ideas and things like that because it's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be to make these videos. Because um, you got to remember, we both work crazy hours. The show takes a lot of time to prep for, a lot of things like that. We also got the website, as I just mentioned, the YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be writing articles here pretty soon. Uh, I'm actually probably going to write one within the next couple of days. I'm sure Chris will throw one on there every once in a while. Um, but other than that, i got to go fix God's furnace. Uh, and peace. <laughs> there he goes. He's going to go fix – he's going to go do God's work in God's house. Uh Andrew Norris, everybody, uh, as he's going to go and work on an installation at a church with some ventilation issues, uh, he's out of here, and uh, we'd love to have him on longer. But that's what we got, and that's who he is, and, and that's my guy, Andrew Norris, co-host of the show here on the Hoopers Log CLNS Radio. If you'd like to call in and talk about anything postseason or anything about ball, the phone number is 323-642-1558. Well, there's 20 minutes left. Uh, one more thing before we get to these. The White Bull were the performances of the season, the top ten and I have all of the tallied up whiteboard performances of the season. We'll get to that in a moment. But Jamal Crawford got the sixth man of the year award, obviously, uh, getting that award for the third time in his career, uh, third time this decade, actually. And there's only been six years in this decade altogether, and he's, been, uh, he's got it three times. Uh, Jamal Crawford from Rainier Beach, Washington, uh, or excuse me, Rainier Beach High School in South Seattle, Washington. He only grew up about 30 miles north of where I live, um, and the guy is one of the greatest players in NBA history off the bench. Um, he clearly could start for multiple teams in the NBA, but the guy wins it again for the Clippers. I'm not shocked that he won it. Obviously, I said Will Barton. I had Will Barton pretty much from December, uh, I would say January on, Um and how the voting went was Jamal Crawford got 51 of the first place votes. He won 341 over 288 over Andre Iguodala. It would have been an absolute slap in the face if Andre Iguodala would have won sixth man of the year. Because here's the thing. If Golden State would have had sixth man of the year because, you know, they had the 72 wins, I think it would have been an absolute slap in the face. Uh, no one on that team really personifies a sixth man. That whole bench is amazing. You can't really give a sixth man to one guy when an entire bench is great. Enos Cantor got third place, 182. And Will Barton finished fourth, shockingly enough, although he did have 15 first-place votes. A lot of second- and third-place votes for Will Barton, which is really what held him up. But uh, obviously Jamal Crawford getting the, getting the award, 51 first-place votes. Uh, a lot of other guys to name, Evan Turner, he finished fifth. Behind Will Barton, Ryan Anderson finished right behind Evan Turner. They, none of these guys were really even close to Will Barton. Will Barton had 158 overall points. Evan Turner had 46. So that gives you an idea of really – it was really a four-man race when it came to the sixth man of the year. And, uh, uh, again, Jamal Crawford getting it done, obviously sixth man of the year, his third time in his career. Uh, fantastic stuff for him. Good for him. I'm very happy for Jamal Crawford. I've actually, I actually saw him last summer walking around the mall in the Tacoma Mall, for those of you that don't know where, I, where I'm from, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, about 30 miles south of Seattle. Um, 
I live pretty much in a, in a city called Tacoma. It's kind of a minor league city of Tacoma, uh, obviously baseball terms and just overall living wise. Uh, but when you talk about the, uh, when you talk about the uh, Tacoma area, I saw, I was, saw Jamal Crawford actually at the, uh, at a footlocker in, uh, or a, yeah, footlocker in the Tacoma mall last summer. He's a pretty, pretty tall guy, obviously, you know, NBA player, six, 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 seven, pretty tall individual, uh, but, but good for him. I couldn't be happier for a much better person, a guy who really works his tail off year in and year out to try and find ways to improve his game, and he really, truly loves the sport of basketball. Let's get to these whiteboard-worthy performances from the season, shall we? Let's get to them, and at the end, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, and if, for those of you that do not know what a whiteboard-worthy performance is, I will not explain it to you here on the show. I am going to make a video immediately after this show and I'm going to explain all out what a whiteboard-worthy performance is. But this is the overall tally of all the whiteboard-worthy performances from the, from the entire regular season in the NBA. From October, I believe, 28th or 29th, when, this, when the banner was dropped, was, 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 uh, was lifted in Golden State, all the way until Kobe finished out with 60, with his 60th point. This is your whiteboard-worthy performances from the 2015 2016 NBA season, the total amount, 729. Think about 729 whiteboard-worthy performances. I I want you to fathom that. There are 82 games in a season, obviously 30 teams in the NBA, but 732, or excuse me, seven, yeah, right? It's so many, I can't even keep track. 729 between 113 players. Yes, this has been a pro, this has been a project all season long. I, I've done it the last two years. Um, and what I do every single night before I go to bed is I keep track and I, and I look at every single box score from every single night of the stats. And again, I'll explain why I award the performance uh, on a YouTube video here immediately after the show. And it'll be up on YouTube, I guess, probably around 6 o'clock uh, Pacific time, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock Eastern. Um, and if you can go check that out, obviously, if you're listening live. But if you're listening to the show through podcast, you can go check it out whenever you want uh, on the YouTube channel at the Hooper's Log on YouTube. Um, 113 players, 729 overall WIPO-worthy performances. And uh, only 40 players of those 113 only had one all year. Let's list them off, shall we? Jeremy Lin had one WIPO-worthy performance. Kenneth Reed, Bismack Biombo, Trevor Ariza, Raymond Felton, Tyreek Evans, J.J. Barea, Rudy Gay, Nikola Miritic, Mario Chalmers, Lou Williams, Lance Stevenson, Mo Harkless, Seth, not Steph, Seth Curry, his brother, his little baby brother, Steph, Steph brother, Seth Curry, Jarrett Jack, Gorgie Dang, Cole Hart Aldridge, Joe Johnson, Bojong Bandanovich, Maurice, uh, Markeith Morris, uh, I believe Marcus Morris was also on this list, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he was Marcus Smart, Jamal Crawford, crazy enough, Jamal Crawford just won six man of the year. He only had one white boy the performance. That's what happens when you come off the bench. Enos Cantor, obviously in that in that six man of the year category as well. He only had one. Dirk Nowitzki, Ale- Alexis Ahika, Serge Ibaka, Dennis Schroeder, J- Jordan McRae. Final game of the season, he had a white boy with the performance. Danilo Gallinari, Miles Turner, Tony Parker, Zaza Pachulia, Monte Ellis, Wes Matthews, Ramon Sessions, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Thaddeus Young, Bradley Beal, and J.J. Redick. All 40 of those players had only one whiteboard-worthy performance. That should blow your mind the further I go into this list because it will blow your mind with how many whiteboard-worthy performances some of these players had throughout the entire NBA season. 
16 of those players, of those 113 players that had a whiteboard performance, they had two. These are the list of guys who had two whiteboard performances. DeMar DeRozan, Andrew Wiggins, Matt Barnes, Will Barton, Marcin Gortat, Nikola Jokic, Darren Williams, Julius Randle, Robert Covington. As much as I bash Robert Covington on the Philadelphia 76ers, he had two. Uh, also, uh, Luol Deng, Tyson Chandler, Jabari Parker, Derek Rose, Alex Len, Greg Monroe, and yes, Jaleel Okafor. Those are the guys who had two whiteboard performances on the season. Here are the guys who had three. There were a lot of them that had three, but here are the guys that did have three uh, going forward. Kobe Bryant had three. That's counting his 60-point game. He had three uh, whiteboard performances this season. P.J. Tucker, Zach Randolph, Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, Chris Middleton, Ryan Anderson, Gordon Hayward, Ish Smith, Jared Sullinger, Tim Frazier. Yes, Tim Frazier, the backup in Portland who then went to, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he went to the New Orleans Pelicans and he played and had a couple down the stretch at the end of the season. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Al Horford. I believe that's it. Yes, those are all the guys who had three whiteboard performances all season long. Again, rewind it if you need to to check out and see who did have all three of those uh, this year. Now, here's the list of guys who had four or more. Robin Lopez. He had four. I'm reading through it right now. I've got so many players, obviously, to look through. Jeff Teague, he only had four. Brandon Knight, he only had four. Obviously, he got hurt, but he only had four. C.J. McCollum, probably is going to be the most improved player of the year. He had four. Kevin Love had four. So that gives you an idea of all the players who had four this season. Marc Gasol, he had four as well. So, again, not a ton of guys on the list who had, who had more, you know, had four, obviously, but that's your list. Guys who had five. This is guys who had five whiteboard-worthy performances on the season. Kawhi Leonard had five whiteboard-worthy performances. Nikola Vucevic, five whiteboard-worthy performances. LaMarcus Aldridge, five whiteboard-worthy performances. As you can see, it's kind of, if you play in a really good system in the NBA or if you don't play in a good team or if you come off the bench, the chances of getting one is very slim. And from that perspective alone, you're going to see guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, not get very many whiteboard-worthy performances. All the whiteboard-worthy performance really is. Derek Favors also had five whiteboard-worthy performances, a big man for Utah. Um, and, there, and what it really is, is 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 great performances. And, again, I'll give you it on YouTube. If you don't remember, don't worry about it. Go on to YouTube. I'll create a full list of this. And I'll give you the outline of this once more on the YouTube channel when I break down overall what a whiteboard-worthy performance is. Guys who had six, or, uh, six whiteboard-worthy performances on the season, Drew Holiday, point guard for the, uh, for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, Eric Bledsoe, he also had six. Um, who else had six on here? I don't think I see any more, if I'm not mistaken. I think that is it when it comes to six. Only two guys had six whiteboard-worthy performances. And as you can see, the more and more there were – Per, you know, how many games they had. Look, that means out of the games they played this year, six of them were wipe away the performances for Eric Bledsoe. Out of the games he played this year for a guy like, uh, I said, Eric Bledsoe, and then I also said uh, Drew Holiday, six of them were wipe away the performances. How many guys had seven? Hassan Whiteside had seven wipe away the performances. Nicholas Batum also had seven. This is the list of seven, by the way. Clay Thompson had seven whiteboard-worthy performances. Blake Griffin had seven whiteboard-worthy performances. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is it when it comes to guys who had seven whiteboard-worthy performances. Guys who had eight. I think there was only one. There was a couple, actually. Dwight Howard had eight whiteboard-worthy performances. 
and then Reggie Jackson had eight whiteboard-worthy performances. Now for the guys who had nine. There were quite a bit who had nine. Carmelo Anthony had nine. DeAndre Jordan had nine. Uh, who else? Isaiah Thomas had nine. And then also, I believe, so Carmelo, DeAndre, or Ricky Rubio also had nine. Now how Ricky Rubio got them, one of the one of the, the qualifications for getting getting a whiteboard-worthy performance is, is if you get a ton of assists. And again, I'll give you the specific amount. Um, you know, on the on the YouTube channel, but Ricky Rubio had nine. Most of those were due to having a ton of assists throughout the season. So DeAndre Jordan, Ricky Rubio, uh, Isaiah Thomas, and there was one more that I'm forgetting. Uh, Ricky Rubio, Isaiah Thomas, Carmelo Anthony, and DeAndre Jordan all had nine wipe-over the performances this season in 2015-2016. Guys who had uh, double digits. This is where it starts to get interesting, and this is where uh, definitely it starts to get fun when it comes to the amount of whiteboard-worthy performances there were. Jimmy Butler and Pau Gasol, both guys on the Bulls, had 10 whiteboard-worthy performances. Jimmy Butler had 10, and Pau Gasol also had 10 as well. Guys who had 11 whiteboard-worthy performances on the season, Brooke Lopez, Paul Millsap, Kemba Walker, and I believe that is all. Yes. Just Brooke Lopez, Paul Millsap, and Kemba Walker all had 11 whiteboard-worthy performances on the season. Then we get into, I believe, 12. Kyle Lowry, the only one in the NBA to have 12 whiteboard-worthy performances on the year. Fantastic stuff for him. Obviously, a, quite an accomplishment. Out of 82 games, 12 whiteboard-worthy performances is pretty, pretty fantastic. Anything above 10 is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, having more than ten is pretty is, is actually very 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 good, um, and that that means you're pretty much a regular. You're on at least once every other week. That's that's pretty good to have those kind of performances uh, every once in a while. Um, you know, it, it is a big deal uh, here on the Hoopers Log. Um, guys who had thirteen white forward performances. Jonas Antetokounmpo. He had multiple triple doubles this season. He was on the board 13 times, 13 whiteboard-worthy performances. Andre Drummond, with his big-time rebounding stats throughout the year, multiple times of 20 rebounds, definitely got in 13 times this year. Paul George, he also got on 13 times as well. Those are your three guys who got on with 13 whiteboard-worthy performances this season. Now I'm trying to figure out who else is on the board and where everyone else is at. Um, 13, well, I'm trying to figure it out. Kawhi, uh, Damian Lillard, I believe, is the next one in line when it comes to overall uh, white boy. This is where it starts to get ridiculous. Like, don't get me wrong, getting on 10 times is great, but when you talk about overall amount for the season, this is where it starts to get absolutely insane. Damian Lillard, he had 16 white boy performances this season. 16. Think about that. 16. Also, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, yes, Rookie of the Year, no debate. 16 whiteboard-worthy performances. Unbelievable stuff there by him. Those are your two guys who had 16. No one had 14. No one had 15. No one had uh, – but Carl but Anthony Towns and Damian Lillard had 16 on the season. Here, this is where we get into the top uh, 11 when it comes to overall white ball-worthy performances and who had what. Anthony Davis had 17 white ball-worthy performances this year. That's number 11 on the list. Where else – where's the other list? Where, where else do I go from here? Anthony Davis, Chris Paul. 
He had number 10 amount of whiteboard performances. He had 19 whiteboard-worthy performances. That's nearly a quarter of the season he had whiteboard-worthy performances. Unbelievable stuff there. Draymond Green, yes. Draymond Green, he had a ton of whiteboard-worthy performances this year. 23 whiteboard-worthy performances on the season. An unbelievable feat for Draymond there. Rajon Rondo, he had a ton of whiteboard-worthy performances. 24 for the Sacramento Kings. 24 whiteboard performances for Rajon Rondo. Obviously, a ton of triple doubles and big time games with big time assist numbers. LeBron James, number seven on the list. LeBron James with 26 whiteboard performances on the season. An outstanding stat for him as well. Kevin Durant and John Wall had the same amount of whiteboard performances this season. Kevin Durant, he had 32 whiteboard performances. Yes. 32 whiteboard-worthy performances, just like John Wall. Also had 32 whiteboard-worthy performances. DeMarcus Cousins had one more than those guys with 33. Then Steph Curry. He had the third most amount of whiteboard-worthy performances with 39 whiteboard-worthy performances. That's darn near half the season. Steph Curry with 39 whiteboard-worthy performances. Number two, James Harden. Had 42 whiteboard-worthy performances. Obviously not the best leader and not the best player in the NBA, but when it comes to scoring and getting a stat stuffer supreme, James Harden is number two with 42 whiteboard-worthy performances on the season. And number one, is there any shock? Is there any awe? The only shocking number and the only shocking reason this is so ridiculous is for how many he had. Russell Westbrook had the most whiteboard-worthy performances on the season. With guess how many? I want you to guess real quick. I'm going to give you a second. Do, 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 do. If you're listening in the car with your friends, just go along with it. Do, 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 do. How many whiteboard-worthy performances did Russell Westbrook have on the 2015-2016 season? Have you guessed yet? You got it? Do you think you know? Here's the answer. The amount of whiteboard-worthy performances for Russell Westbrook on the season is... 59 whiteboard-worthy performances. Russell Westbrook had 50. There are 81, 82 games in the regular season in the NBA. And Russell Westbrook had 59 whiteboard-worthy performances. That's flat-out stupid. Like, that is flat-out, maniacally, just anomically, comically. You name it, it is ridiculous what Russell Westbrook did this season. 59 whiteboard worthy performances and again once you know what a whiteboard worthy performance is you'll understand how absolutely ridiculous that is again he led he had 20 more than Steph Curry he had 17 more than James Harden and he was first and James Harden was number two shocking stuff there if you're listening live to the show uh, we are going to be jumping into the podcast within the next two, two and a half minutes from the standpoint of the show won't be live anymore, but I will give the top 10 whiteboard-worthy performances as we move forward. If you're listening to the pod, if you're listening to the Apple iTunes podcast, you have nothing to fear. You're good to go. And again, if you want to know more about what a whiteboard-worthy performance is, I will explain it to you on the YouTube channel as I uh, once this show is over. Top 10 whiteboard-worthy performances. Here we go. Honorable mention. The first one, an honorable mention, Kobe Bryant, 60 points, four assists, four rebounds, a 72 on the whiteboard-worthy performance scale. Kobe Bryant definitely with 60 points to end his career. Unbelievable stuff there. Number 10, here we go. Here's the list off. Top 10 of the season. 
Jimmy Butler on January 14, 2016. Jimmy Butler, 53 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals, a 78 on the wipe away the performance scale. That's number 10. James Harden, number 9, January 20, 2016. 33 points, 17 rebounds, 14 assists, a gargantuan triple-double with a 78 on the white forward performance scale. March 9th, only about a month ago, March 9th, Russell Westbrook for number 8, 25 points, 20 assists, 11 rebounds, and 2 steals, a 78 on the white forward performance scale, a monstrous triple-double, one of 18 or 19 that Russell Westbrook had on the season. On Martin Luther King Day, for number 7, on Martin Luther King Day for number seven, Kemba, Wa- Kemba Walker on the first on, on the 18th of January 2016. Kemba Walker, 52 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, and two steals, a 79 on the whiteboard performance scale. That's your number seven performance on the season. On Halloween, yes, way back at the beginning of the season. On Halloween for Steph Curry. 53 points. This is number six on the on the whiteboard performance list of the season. Steph Curry, 53 points, nine assists, four rebounds, and four steals. A 79 on the whiteboard performance scale. Steph Curry absolutely going bonkers for the for the Golden State Warriors back on Halloween. A scary performance for number six of the whiteboard performance scale. Number five, back on November 18th, 2015. Our number five, the number five performance on the season. James Harden. 45 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, and 5 steals. An 80 on the whiteboard performance scale. James Harden with your number 5 performance on the regular season. Again, 45, 11, and 8, and 5. An 80 on the whiteboard performance scale. Dominating stuff by James Harden there. Another whiteboard-worthy performance of the season on Martin Luther King Day on January 18, 2016. Number 4 performance on the season. Dwight Howard, 36 points. 26 rebounds, four assists, and 83 on the whiteboard performance scale. Look, Dwight Howard, look, 36 points and 26 rebounds. You know how when you walk, go through the drive-thru and they ask for like a, you know, when they, when they ask for like, you know, would you like a, would you like a, a, a single uh, patty, a double patty, a triple patty, uh, four patties? Man, James, Dwight Howard went off for like freaking like like seven patties on that burger. He had like a, a quadruple, a quintuple, a double, quadruple with cheese and bacon and and potato. You name it, he went off in that game. Thirty six points and twenty six rebounds. That's re- that is like that is like Shaq numbers. That is ridiculous. And that's number four on the list. Number three. January 25th, 2016, number three on the whiteboard performance list of the season, DeMarcus Cousins, or better known as Boogie Cousins, 56 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and two blocks, and 84 on the whiteboard performance scale. That's your number three performance of the season. How could there be any better performances on the year? You guessed it. No, on, on the second day of the new year, of 2016 on January 2nd, 2016, performance number two of the season for the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green, 29 points, 17 rebounds, 14 assists, and four steals. That's an 86 on the whiteboard performance scale. That is the most impressive triple-double in the NBA all season long. And then the final performance, the number one performance on the season, and it's not even a debate, everybody knows what it is, on February 21st, 2016, on Sunday, the number one performance on the season, Anthony Davis, 59 points, 20 rebounds, 
and four assists, a 97 on the whiteboard-worthy performance scale. Anthony Davis takes away the crown with the best performance of the season, with 59 points, 20 rebounds, and four assists, a 97, a performance we won't forget anytime soon. That is your show. Those are your top 10 whiteboard performances. If you don't know what a whiteboard performance is, go check out the YouTube channel. I will be making a video here shortly. It should be out around 10 uh, p.m. Obviously, no one's listening live, so no one cares. But the, but it should be up around – if you're listening to the YouTube channel, it should be – if you're listening to the podcast by now, the, sh- the video should already be up. So if you don't know what it is, go check out the podcast. That's our show for today. Uh, obviously, go check out the playoff games. There's only a couple tonight. Hawks, as of right now, are up uh, big time on the Celtics. So it's really between the Grizzlies and Spurs tonight on TNT. So that's our show for today. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Episode 121 is in the books. Episode 122 for a hump day Wednesday. All we're really going to do is, is talk about the awards, if there's any more awards given out, uh, obviously any drama going, going on in the NBA or in the world of basketball. And we'll also talk about, uh, you know, the games that will be coming up for Wednesday. Uh, we'll be bringing it to you here tomorrow, same time, same place, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific here on the Hoopers Lock through CLNS Radio in the Geek Studios. My name is Simo Buckets. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Enjoy your night and enjoy postseason basketball. Thank you again, everybody. Have a good one.